I just realised I put the AC on this side, but not on this side. So there is actually second-class citizens in the room. Do you guys want the AC on over here? Yeah, I mean, this is usually the most hotly debated thing besides worship on a Sunday is what temperature you put the AC on. So feel free to start a war over that. Um, uh, scientists, by the way, say the optimal temperature is between 22 and 24 degrees. Just FYI. 17. Felt warm when they said it. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, felt warm. <laughs> it's like a Turkish bathhouse at 24. <laughs> um, all right. Team, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Playtime is back on this week. Uh, had a couple of new mums showed up with bubs, which was really fantastic. Um, 9.30 to 11 on a Wednesday during school term. Love to see you there. If you've got a new family in the area who wants to come along to that, they're more than welcome to do that. Um, 3rd of March, we are doing our Vision Sunday. And then immediately after that Vision Sunday, we're going to have a welcome lunch. We just realized there's a whole bunch of new faces in the room and some of the old faces haven't had the chance to meet the new faces. We want to get them all together and have a meal. Um, I kind of hinted to it. We're going to set up a big old table and have a meal around a big old table together. So um, stick around for that. I think the plan for that is um, the Lord's meal, barbecue chickens and salad. So rotisserie barbecue chickens. Um, uh, sorry? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he's in heaven, but I'm assuming the, the rotisserie chickens will be amazing. Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, salads. So we want people to bring salads. We'll supply the chicken. We'll have chicken and salad. Probably hot chips too, because you, you can't have a rotisserie chicken without hot chips. It's ludicrous. Um, uh, Solus Cafe team, uh, new, new hours, okay? Wednesday through Saturday, and there's now evening meals, uh, Friday, Saturday nights. If you haven't come along, come along. I know the women's um, crew had a dinner there this Friday, last Friday. Um, good times. Mate, it's a great location for mums groups if you want to do that. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is we, we have two offering boxes at either exit of the church. The reason we do that is because about 93% of people give online. It's the easiest way to give. Um, they're the details for it. If you don't write them down, not an issue. If you go to the northgate.org.au website, our details are on there. Um, direct debit giving is obviously our preferred way. If you don't like doing that, that's not a problem. There are envelopes either side of the church if you'd like to give to the work that goes on here. We'd love that. Thank you very much. Uh, Bible reading today is from oh, Matthew chapter 11 uh it's the second part of that you guys got it for the screen no okay all right i'll read it from the book not a problem uh so uh reading from 
verse 25, and I'm going to go into chapter 12 a little bit. So we're doing a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, last week, I just felt like it was light on for Bible, and that feels like a fail on my behalf, especially as a person who should expound scripture on a Sunday when you don't spend a whole bunch of time in it. So I'm going to pivot this week. We're going to make it the fo- focus because it's kind of all the ways that we're threading through emotionally healthy spirituality. We're picking up on things that Jesus does that are help- healthy for Jesus to do and seeing as though we're trying to make Christ the center of everything that we do, we should do the stuff that Jesus does. Um Verse 25, at that time, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to, um, to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His his disciples were hungry and began to pick some of the heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said, Look! Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, Have you read what David did when he, um, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of a God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or have you read in the law that on the Sabbath, priests in the temple um, desecrate the day and, are yet, and yet are innocent? I tell you um, that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's um, It's an interesting passage because it comes immediately after this woe. Um, woe directed at um, a number of cities. And then you have this idea that the revelation of God comes to those people he chooses to reveal it to. The little children, not the wise and learned. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's the nature of the thing that I want to pick up on as we journey through emotionally healthy spirituality is this notion of how do we find pause and silence and solitude when our lives are incredibly busy and noisy and filled with activity. You, probably like many followers of Jesus, um, myself included, we, we want more peace. We want more joy. We want more contentment. We want rest in our lives, but our rhythms for each day are often filled with activity noise and distraction and we live our lives at such an intense speed um, we don't know where to wedge it in have you have you ever driven from kind of 
Melbourne all the way up to far north Queensland. I've never done the full journey. I've done from Sydney. Yeah, oh, athletes. Like, yes, I've done that. Australians change as you go from south to north. I don't know if you know this. Different types of Australians in Australia. And so you come across Melbourneites and Sydney siders, and we're okay with three or four things in a day. We get up in the morning, we're going to do some stuff. Around lunchtime, we've got a few other things we're going to do. Early afternoon, we're going to kick on, do some stuff. And then the evening, we'll do that. Somebody else, right? But then you hit the central coast. Now, there's a lot of Sydney siders there, but they, they back off. It's not three or four things. We could probably do three things, two or three things. And as you move up the coast into f- to, to Queensland, gets less again. Just two things in the day. Do one thing in the morning, one thing in the evening. That's it. Then you get all the way up to far north Queensland. It's just one thing for the day. I don't know. I preached at a Cairns church. And we did church in the morning. And I said to them, what are we doing this afternoon? And they're like, we did church. And I said to them, that was in the morning. It's like, yes, we did church today. We're done. We left. Yeah, amen. It's 32 degrees. We're going to the pool for the rest of the day. Um, Have you ever, you've ever, when you go on holidays and you get a sense that stuff is just moving at a different pace and you're just like, oh, this is nice. You know, you get to far north Queensland and you're like, we're done? It's 11 o'clock and we're, we're done. Yes, we're done for the day. We've done our thing for the day. And you're like, oh, what might I do? I might just rest and recover. And when you're on vacation, you realize how weary you are. I don't think Jesus is any less aware of this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a rhythm that's found in coming to Jesus. A rhythm where we are liberated from that exhausting rhythm of life and find a place where we can pause and rest and find calm. Just um, take a moment and run through the last 24 hours of your life. Carly's this morning, soccer skills, followed by coordinating Ruby to get off to netball grading. We run around madly, you know, right now in the season we're in, we're just elite taxi drivers for our children, um, getting them to all the social ev- endeavors and sporting events that they need to be at. Um, uh, didn't anticipate it, but here I am. Um, I like now to offer mints when you get in my car. Can I offer you a mint or a bottled water? Um, there's so much speed at which we're running our lives where's the place where we can find the peace and the calm and the joy and the contentment you think about jesus's life it's filled with needy people he's surrounded 
by crowds who are making demands on him time and time and time again. He's faced with regular complaints from the Pharisees. Did you see your, your boys out there in the grain field? Just picking some heads, snacking on them on the Sabbath. He's pursued by crowds. In Mark 3, people, people are literally pushing and trying to touch Jesus so that he might be healed. Jesus is very aware of living in a noisy, distracted, overwhelming society. And yet, he finds places where he can withdraw. Where he pauses. Where he goes and spends time with his father. He had a rhythm where he would sneak away from the busy to... I so rarely do Greek words, to eremos, to silence and solitude in a quiet, isolated place. And in that habit of silence and solitude, he was able to tend better to his father's business. Is this practice of silence and solitude that I feel like is desperately needed for our soul. We are so busy doing the work of Jesus, we are forgetting to just be with Jesus. <laughs> and it's far better for you to just be with Jesus than it is for you to do the work of Jesus. It's not all the time. It's not every moment of every day. I don't think Sydney ciders tend to sloth um, but I was reading this, this is such an aside, um, but I was reading this interesting, like, sin. Has anyone heard of, heard of the Noonday Demon? No? Noonday Demon. Oh, so, okay, good, because none of you are monks, so this doesn't affect you, but it does. Mm, here we go. So, uh, old monastic practices, you used to fast into the late afternoon, and the reason you'd fast into the late afternoon was to push someone through the noonday demon, right, which comes out of, I think it's Psalm 91. You have to look it up. Um, but the idea is, is that what often happens in the middle of the day when the sun is at its hottest is you get restless. There's a restlessness about the job that you are doing and about the things that you are tending to. And so you start to look like you're busy, but you're not actually busy doing anything productive because you're given to this kind of listless, restless spirit. And so monks often wouldn't do their jobs in the midday sun and they would be distracted by a whole bunch of other things that aren't very important and miss the time to spend with Jesus. And so there was this sin of the noonday demon. How do we get by the sin of the noonday? Well, we try and push everything into the late afternoon, which is when you end your fast and a whole bunch of other things, to try and get a person to stay focused through that season. The thing is, is the way it's described is sloth. And we seem to interpret sloth like he just sits around the house and doesn't do anything. No, that's a teenager. Um, sloth can oftentimes look like a person who is busy but isn't 
productive doing the things they ought to do, but are distracted by the things they ought not to do. That's slothfulness. And we all go, yes. How many times when life gets overwhelming, do we get paralyzed into a place where we don't do the things that we ought to do, but we are distracted and often do the things that we don't do? Doom scrolling on a phone. We busy clean the house. Well, I can't be... can't focus on the thing that I ought to do. I'm just going to vacuum these rooms and get all of this done. Good, but it's not the most important thing. And what we see in what Christ does in his life is he withdraws often early in the morning to go and spend time with God so that he can prepare his heart and mind for what he's about to do. And so what happens is we react, right? We, oh, I mean, these seals have not looked as clean as they have. We turn around and we're now closer to whatever the deadline is. Oh, start scrolling, distracting myself again. And then we stop, oh, closer to the deadline again. But we haven't actually confronted it because we're reacting to things. Whereas in a season that Jesus is moving in, he's purposeful. He's contemplative. Jesus is not reactive. How, how does he do this? Well, part of that journey is this silence and solitude. He's got an enormous day ahead of him, Jesus. He's going to heal some people. He's going to teach some people. He's going to drive out some spirits. He's going to have a fight with the Pharisees. And then he's going to have to sit down and debrief with all these apprentices who made about 35 mistakes that day. Have a big old meal together. He's going to have to find a place to stay. It's a busy day. But yet, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went to a solitary place, Eremos, where he prayed. That's Mark 1.35. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It seems to be an essential habit for Jesus. This withdrawing to silence and solitude. And this keystone habit seems to have a ripple effect on all the other areas of your life. I shared start of last year, I took a, took a six-week silent monastic prayer course. It's very cool right now. I was even looking up how you get those special kneeling. Have you seen those kneeling chairs? They're like low to the ground and you kind of sit on them like this. But they go under here so your knees don't crack. Um, and I sat down and I remember doing the first, the course is like brilliant. Whoever invented the course is like a genius because they literally teach you not to think about anything and sit quietly. Like, so the course is a person talking for, th yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. For 35 seconds, he says, all right, empty your mind and sit quietly. Ding, ding, ding. That's the course. And then 25 minutes later, he goes, ding, 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 and we're done. 
We'll see you next week. Yeah, I did. Paid good money for it. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, David might have paid good money for it. He was the treasurer for the church. No, 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 no. I paid for that one. Um, it's, uh, it, was, it was interesting because they were like, we're going to start small and we're just going to go for 25 minutes of silence and we'll build up to an hour. Okay? Yeah. So I sat there and I was so good. Just so focused on the Lord. Really locked in. What are we having for dinner tonight? <laughs> Good Lord, I hope it's barbecue. Should have probably put the Weber on now. Who's picking Ruby up? That's probably Carly. Don't need to worry about it. Mel and Luke... Good on small group leaderships. Sorry, Maranatha, Lord, focused on you alone. I'm really enjoying that series of the bear on TV right now, although it's harrowing and overwhelming. I mean, Maranatha, focused on you, Lord. Five minutes I opened my eyes and started looking around. Five minutes is what I got to. I just realized that it's a challenge, but it's something that the Lord is doing every single day. So, so how do we get there? Um, I think that this is also a case for why dogs are better than cats, but I'll explain in a second. Um, that they are the far superior pet. Um, if we're forming a new habit in our lives, it needs repetition, okay? We can have a great idea to integrate silence and solitude into our lives but if we have no strategy for it there's no point we're going to fall we'll fall over right it'll just fail so what you need to do is create a habit and to form a habit typically takes about 30 days takes two days to break a habit 30 days to form it two days to break it okay and to do that it needs to have a cue it needs to have a routine and it needs to have a reward. Exactly like training a dog. <laughs> That's why jo dogs are so wise and smart. Um, they think like humans. So the first thing you need to do is if you have a cue and you train yourself in a habit, then guess what you know is coming? A reward. Isn't it? Cue, routine, reward. So first thing we need to figure out is deciding on a time that you practice silence and solitude. What's the time of day? Is it first thing in the morning? That seems to be the time that Jesus chooses it. It's probably also the quietest time of the day. Kids aren't into full swing. Life isn't in full swing. Whatever it might be, you haven't kicked into the routine. You haven't started work yet. There's an opportunity there. Anthony, I know that late in the evening is your time. You're a night owl. So after everyone's gone to bed and after everything is done, Anthony kicks into whatever his routine is. So decide on the time, okay? Number two, decide on your place. Is there a special place that you can go to? Is it a room? Is it a chair? Is it an outdoor area? Is it a seat? Is it a bushwalk where you can get to a rock and sit down and reflect? Is there a chair that you can go in that's comfortable? 
that sits you upright is not silence and solitude, okay? <laughs> Sit upright. Um, and then the third thing is, is what is the reward for spending time with Jesus? I would suggest it's intrinsic, but what's the way that you say, okay, I've spent time with God. I have enjoyed delighting in God. What's the reward? Um, the thing is, is everyone's different. So we all, some of us are diligent, and so we can commit to this, and we go, we've got a queue, I've got a routine, I know there's going to be a reward, I'm going to do it for 30 days, and we immediately get into it. Other of us are like ADHD, we do it for three days, we forget about it for four, we come back to it, do it for four more days, we forget about it, we do it again for two more days, and we forget about it is that we're not aiming for perfection. And I think this is one of the great challenges with church is that we can come across other people within the church and say, how are you doing with this? Like Lectio Divina, right? We've been doing Lectio Divina for two years. And I talk to some people and they're like, whoa, I've got 300 days of a Lectio Divina done. And I'm like, you're doing better than the pastor. Well done. Great job by you. But the comp- it's not a competition. Because I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, oh man, I only did 12 days of Lectio Divina, which is like way better than zero days, isn't it? Like you've moved the needle and I'm not shooting for perfection. If you know me, I do not live a life of perfection. It's a a chaotic mess. The thing is is that all these things are designed to pull us into presence with God. And we think we're doing God work, but I'm trying to get us to a place where we can just be with God. Like, you reading Scripture is is not you doing... Like, the good Lord knows Scripture better than you. Do you feel like... <laughs> it's like Think about it. Like, you're just sitting down and saying, Lord, look, I'm reading Mark. He's like, yeah, I know. I wrote the thing. Don't worry about it. He's across Mark, and he doesn't need you to have an impressive, deep knowledge of Mark. But what that allows you to do is have an encounter with him. It's just a place where you can sit in the good presence of the Lord and a place in silence and solitude where we can get to a habit of saying, like, I... I I get the thought of the day. I could have handled that argument with my daughter better. Release it. It's not wrong or right, but it's just not for now. Now is a time for you and the good Lord. So just start small. I got to five minutes the first time I did it. With like 78 intrusive thoughts. I had to acknowledge and release, not for now. Acknowledge and release. I had a word, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. And that became my sounding block. Maranatha, Maranatha. Partially because that's what the guy told me should be my word. And he was just saying it a whole bunch. So I was like, whew. Um, I'm telling you, Lord, we've got to come up with something like that because it was like, 30 seconds and it was the course was 59.95 so um yeah like you make we could make some money off this um for the lord um 
<laughs> yeah, amen. All right, we got one. Here we go. Um, stop. Stop. Um, but as you work that muscle, expand it from five minutes to six minutes to seven minutes. Maybe it's not even five minutes. Maybe it's just two minutes, but it's just move the needle. Just move the needle. It's like an exercise. The more you do it, the more you get a habit of doing it, the easier it becomes, the more your soul longs for it. It, it, it brings me, I, I, like I'm going to sound like an old band, but I'm not. It brings me no greater joy than to sit in the black fake Eames chair in my bedroom with the door closed and no noise and sit with God. Just be there. And people are like, well, you should be reading a book. Why? God is both imminent, present with us right now in this room, and transcendent. And the transcendence of God is undefinable. So how do you define the undefinable love of God? You can't. You just can sit in it. That's the best you can do is just to sit in the transcendent glory of God that is undefinable, inexplainable. You bought the stars and you know them by name. Sorry. I mean, he is the greatest songwriter. Um, you are amazing. God. Um, you can't. It's indescribable. And so you just sit and enjoy it. Free your mind of the worries of the day before you get into it. And my understanding is the monks that practice silence and solitude well were not guilty of the noonday devil. They had a preparedness for the day, ready to tackle the challenges of it and blew through noon like it was no big deal. Silence and solitude is a place where your soul finds room to breathe again in the presence of the Almighty. Jesus lived a very fruitful ministry, but he did understand the importance of the practice. Being with Jesus is greater than doing for Jesus. Words of Mother Teresa, who's way wiser than me. We must all take time to be silent and to contemplate. For it is in the silence of the heart that God speaks. God is the friend of silence. We need to listen to God because it's not what we say, but what he says to us and through us that matters. Mother Teresa got a heck of a lot done, but she prioritized silence and contemplation with the good Lord as priority. If you are wearied and burdened, then the very thing that Jesus says is come to me. And the best way to do that is the same way that Jesus went to his father 
in a quiet place, in a solitary place, Eremos. You want some sunlight for your soul? Find silence and solitude and experience the love of Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are good. (laughs) Oh, Lord, when we are driven, sometimes it's so abrasive to hear, sit and be with me. Lord, but it's what you request for us. Lord, that we might find rest for our weary souls in your company and in your presence. Lord, and that we might find spaces and places where we can enjoy that silence and solitude. Amen.